You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. 20 to 1. That's a lot of positivity, right? So, but every time we do something like that, it is putting a deposit into an emotional bank account. Successful couples do. They build that strong friendship, which is also a very strong predictor of their sexual satisfaction. Dear young married couple, you're in a busy season of your life. You're probably working and involved in ministry. On top of that, you might even be parents or students. You're maxed, but you really want to stay connected in your marriage. And that's why we're bringing this podcast to you. I'm Adam King. And I'm Carissa King. And we work with busy couples just like you in our counseling office here in Sacramento, California. We also work with couples all over the world through online counseling. And our couples are really just looking for ways to communicate with each other more effectively. Some of them are looking to heal from a breach in trust or find direction in fulfilling the purpose that God has for them. So come and join us as we have a conversation. We'll talk with therapists, authors, pastors, and other couples who will pour into us, giving us tools to become more intimately connected, get adventurous, and find purpose. Welcome to the Dear Young Married Couple podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the science behind happy relationships. And before we introduce our guests, we wanted to give a shout out to somebody who left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. So this shout out goes to Isle of You. She said, this podcast literally does share truth bombs in every episode from both Adam and Carissa, as well as the guests they feature. Good for people in every stage of relationship, but especially geared toward young married couples and establishing solid foundations. So much love to you, Isle of You. Thanks for uh, reviewing the podcast. It really does help us so much. Yes. All right. So uh, we want to introduce our awesome guests today. Our guests are Don and Carrie Cole. They are the directors of the Gottman Institute. So Carrie is the research director and Don is the clinical director of the Gottman Institute. And we are super excited to have them here today. Yes, they are highly qualified. Um, they also own the Center for Relationship Wellness, which is a private practice specializing in marathon therapy for couples. Um, just to give you guys a little bit of background for uh, Don and Carrie, Don has his doctorate in ministry um, and is also a licensed professional counselor and um, licensed mental health counselor. Carrie has her master's in education and is working on her PhD. Um, and she's also a licensed professional counselor and a licensed mental health counselor. Um, so they're both master trainers for the Gottman Institute and certified Gottman therapists. Um, and we love the Gottman method. Um, we're actually yes. both trained in, in the Gottman method as well. And so we loved this conversation that we got to have with Don and Carrie. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. So welcome, Don and Carrie. We're so honored to have you guys on the podcast today. You're welcome, guys. Yeah, Thank thanks, you. Adam. Nice Rissa. to be here. So we are going to jump right into some questions we have for you. Um, I think when people hear, you know, the science behind um, a happy relationship, they probably wonder how can something so seemingly subjective like relationships 
have empirical data to back it up. Um, so if you guys could just share with us a little bit about how you guys and your team have um, actually been able to say this is the science behind a happy relationship. You have to go back in history a little bit because uh, it started some 40 something years ago. Um, and when John Gottman, who was an assistant professor of psychology, Indiana University at the time, uh, really got interested in uh, the way people either are very happy and successful mm -hmm. in bonding into their relationships or not. And um, so he teamed up with a guy named Bob Levinson, who was a psychophysiologist. Okay. So he's the one who kind of came up with all the wires and connections. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and they started working together, trying to see what they could predict about um, what factors influence couples in what direction. Okay. Because they were science nerds and their relationships <laughs> were not going well. <laughs> <laughs> I yep. think that's how they became best friends. Yes. They, they, they were uh, uh, commiserating over coffee. Yeah. 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 That's great. And um, so they began doing some um, observational data gathering, uh, bringing in couples of all types, happy, successful, struggling, young, old, been together a long time, haven't been together very long. And just putting them in front of a, a video camera, they actually mm -hmm. had video cameras that had just been created. Wow. <laughs> Cutting uh, edge technology. This is going back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but, um, and they used um, the physiological stuff. They had com a, a computer, this massive refrigerator sized computer that could, could sync the time codes of the video with the readouts from the physi physiological measurements. So they could get a complete picture uh, for the first time really of what was going on both in terms of what people were saying to each other and what was going on in, underneath the skin. Right, what was going mm -hmm. on with their heart rates, okay. uh, what was going on with their breath, you know, so mm -hmm. how fast were they breathing or shallow were mm -hmm. they breathing deeply. Uh, so skin, skin conductance, and I still do that in the lab today. So okay, really, yes. Um, so and pulse transit time. So how fast does it take their heart rate? Uh, you know, to get up to their ear, that kind of thing. So okay. and each one of those give you different readouts on different neurotransmitters. Actually, okay. So uh, they were. It, kind of became really fascinated by, wow, look at all the stuff that's going on inside someone's body. And you could mm -hmm. never tell that uh, from the outside, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And then, Carissa, what you said was really kind of um, important because how could you measure? Uh, when uh, Gottman and Levinson wanted to use this research as part of their movement toward tenure as professors, uh, they were told no. Don't do it. Um, <laughs> Worst idea ever. Because and then they said one wow. of the one of the reasons it's such a horrible idea is that um, you know psychology, especially back in the seventies, was not really good at predicting human behavior. 
In fact, a meta-analysis had come out that said only 9% of human behavior can be predicted by psychological measurements. So 91% is totally uh, a mystery. And I don't know how much better it is now, but that if you put two people in the room, you'll square the error. You'll not be able to predict anything. So don't do this. It's, it's, it's too vague. It's too, but when they started analyzing the interactions, uh, using these physiological measurements, uh, coded interviews and so on, And then tracking these couples years over years. Sometimes as long as 20 years. Yeah, that was a Mm. 20-year study they did. Um, But at first, you know, just these three to five years, they were tracking these couples. And where were they? Were they happier? Were they not? Were they divorced? Mm -hmm. Were they still together? And then going back and looking, what were they like in the lab? What were they like when they were just talking? What were they like Mm -hmm. when they were trying to solve a problem? What was Mm -hmm. going on at their in their bodies during all of this. All of a sudden they found out if you know what to look for, if you know what to look for, you can predict with over 90% accuracy the trajectory that couple was on. Yeah, wow. They they did something also that was really interesting. Um, Since they had the video data, the videos, they would record these video conversations with these couples. Uh, They Mm. did... Uh, just a regular conversation, like, you know, events, events. how was your day dear? Okay. kind of thing. Okay. And that um, was their baseline. That was the baseline. Mm-hmm. And then they asked them to have a com- like a conversation about a conflict, uh, something mm-hmm. that's an ongoing problem for them that they, they tend to always repeat, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they asked the couple to rate that video, to watch those videos and to watch themselves. And mm-hmm. not rate how they felt about looking at the video, but try to go back in time when they were actually having the conversation and rate what it felt like internally. Okay. So it gave uh, us a window into what was going on with them emotionally, moment by moment. So they mm-hmm. could rate it, and this it had a dial that was kind of fluid, and it went and you know to be to very negative to very positive, and then kind of straight up was kind of new, was neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they were able to code that and they connected all of that, the physiology, um, and the rating dial, all of this information, questionnaires, the questionnaires mm-hmm. were, were figured into that as well. And that turned out to be some pretty powerful predictors. Yeah, man. It, it's really amazing. Such creativity yes. really mm-hmm. to be able be able to take this idea and kind of because everybody like like you guys are pointing out it's so many people see it in a subjective light it's so much anecdotal like hey I'm a counselor so this is what I think but they take the the physiological aspects that become more objective numbers mm-hmm. and then put okay then how were you feeling in that time and then now we have a solid base of data mm-hmm. which gives us an idea of okay Here's a good predictor. Right. And it wasn't just the physiology, though. It was really coding the negative and positives uh, in terms of the words that they used and how they used them. Uh, And they coded that positive and negatives themselves and also uh, observers did. So now Mm -hmm. we're adding SPAF coding to the mix. 
So oh, they got the okay. couples to rate it. And then they started, they came up with a specific, uh, it's called specific affect coding system. It's based on okay. um, actually the work of, uh, of um, Paul Ekman, Paul Ekman, who uh, studied faces and emotions and kind mm-hmm. of reading yeah. emotions through the faces. And so, but that wasn't a good enough coding system. Paul Ekman's wasn't because it didn't, it didn't include the emotional affect. It didn't include the words uh, and some of the negative, the tone of voice and things like that. Okay. That happens between couples as they Mm -hmm. talk to each other. So they came up with, in addition to Paul Ekman's kind of facial expression recognition, uh, the tone of voice the words that were used, mm-hmm. uh, all of that stuff. And that goes into the SPAF coding. So now we've got observers who have to be reliable. Uh, mm-hmm. And Don and I are both trained in SPAF coding. And it takes about, okay. a, it, it took a, my team um, the better part of a year to become reliable. Okay. Wow. wow. Uh, so that's not an easy task. No, I'm sure. Yeah. What What did you find, Carrie, um, the team? What did they find in terms of a positive and negative sentiment override? You know, when they were um, comparing the, the trained observers and their observations versus the couple's observations to their positive and negative interactions. Probably need to break that down, too. Yeah. OK, so. Um, Sometimes. So first of all, we're looking just like at positive and negative affect, right? Um, and positive and negative interactions. So okay. the couples, they might look at their facial expressions, but they pay a lot of attention to tone of voice mm. and the words that are used. And there's history behind the words that are used that a trained mm-hmm. coder would not have access to. So okay. the coders probably tend to rely more on facial expressions and the words that are used. They okay. do on to- tone of voice too. I mean, we're trained to do all of it, but we sure. pay close attention to people's facial expressions mm-hmm. um, and the words that are used. So, but we, fa- of course, a lot of times what we we watch and see are people with a lot of negativity. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and but we're also looking for the positive stuff. Um, okay. And we consider neutral positive. Mm-hmm. So, and it, we also consider really positive something that the two of you are doing right now without even realizing it. And that's nodding your heads and going, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, this is called sure. low validation. And we mm-hmm. love to see that in uh, couples' conversations. It's like, yes, yes, we're turning to the positive. <laughs> that's um, so funny. Yes. Yeah. Oftentimes I'm telling Chris that, stop that you, you're doing it too much and I'm you know in the recording as I'm editing the recording I'm like you're te- you're giving him way too much verbal affirmation I point at the the sound clip I'm like can you tell you're a therapist <laughs> and you see all of her you know marks it's so but funny the, but I think part of the answer to your question also is if you compare the psychologist and and therapists and the trained staff coders and the, the way they rate the conversations versus the way the couples rate the conversations themselves, what you find is an amazing correlation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that the couple's rating of the conversation actually gives us uh, as much uh, reliable data as anything uh, that they came up with. And the cool thing is 
in today's Zoom-based therapy and COVID mm-hmm. world. Yeah, yeah. We've created a way for therapists and clients to do this online. Wow. To, wow. And this is just this was just announced a few weeks ago. Oh uh, my where goodness, they, where so we can cool. record their conversations, they can replay them and and uh, code their they, positive and negative rate, feelings. The rating dial. With the rating okay. dial. Online. And, online and uh, it's in beta testing currently yep and, nice. get, and just get you know huge amounts of uh of data available to the to the average clinician who's working with mm-hmm. couples in her office or his office and uh right um so wow that's incredible mm-hmm. yeah wow, i'm excited to hear more about that <laughs> so yeah, stay yeah, tuned <laughs> yeah i had some so, real smart computer guys helping us with that oh i'm sure there's probably so many lines of code and all that yeah so like kind of bringing it back. So this is the scientific, the clinician side of things. Um, how has this helped couples and what findings have, have you found? Yeah. <laughs> and have any of these findings surprised you? Um, I, I don't know if they've surprised us because they, they, but they certainly surprised people when they, the, when they first were published. Okay. And, um, John, uh, picked up on the the metaphor of the four horsemen of the apocalypse out of the mm-hmm. out of the book of revelation sounds cheery and uh, <laughs> and uh, and use that as an explanation of the four negative interaction patterns that he saw uh, he and Bob Levinson saw in couples that were most predictive of the relationships decline and failure mm-hmm. so and what are the four horsemen so they are criticism, which is mm-hmm. attacking and blaming your partner. Uh, and it sounds something like you always or you never. And it really mm-hmm. doesn't matter what comes after that. Um, <laughs> yep. Even why? The question, why? Why did you yes. do that? Yes. I was uh, just asking a question. No, you weren't. You were being critical. Mm-hmm. Because implied uh-huh. in that why question, not always, but a lot of times implied in that why question is an attack. Okay. What's wrong with you that you did that? Yes. That's good. Mm, no one in their yeah. right mind would do that. Why would you? Yeah. Uh, yes. Right? Okay. Yeah. So why, that's kind of, we're not so being curious. Yeah. We're not yeah. really gaining information. We're really trying to prove yes. to the so person how. That's something that I really listen for as a therapist is uh-huh. when they start asking that question, why? In addition to the you, okay. um, the second horseman is defensiveness and it usually comes right after the first horseman but sometimes it can precede it um but defensiveness is like no i don't or it wasn't really my fault Uh um you know or you know why are you always picking on me i'm Mm. the innocent victim here you know Mm -hmm. um so it's kind of blaming the other person it can be the counterpunch it can be the counterpunch too or you know so it could just be a Mm. well you do it too or you do something worse than that yeah you're really the problem here yes but the other one is give me a break don't you i work so hard for this family why are you making such a big deal out of it so Mm. the innocent Mm -hmm. victim and and john says that the real expert defenders can do both simultaneously (laughs) Oh, okay. So that's that's a high art. That's high art. <laughs> being able to being able to uh, blame the other and whine your uh-huh. your your um, 
uh, innocence at the same time. So then, wow. yeah. so what happens then is that right is that people just start. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. No, I don't. And mm. they don't get anywhere, and they end up, you know, kind of spiraling down mm-hmm. or upping the ante. Um, okay. So right. that it's like uh, they keep trying to get their point across, and the other person might keep trying to get their point across, but there's no actual talking, listening going on and mm-hmm. seeking understanding, right? In fact, that's actually what they discovered about the four horsemen is that they represent escalating negativity, right? That mm. you say something negative, I say something worse, you say something worse, and we go sometimes beyond just criticism and defensiveness to number three. Mm. Number three, which is contempt. Okay. And contempt is nastier. Okay. Uh, it is like name calling, you know, can't believe you're so stupid. You know, you're a liar. Yeah. Sarcasm. Can sarcasm. Be mocking. Know, so, yeah. Mocking someone. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, you're uh, sorry. You were late again. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah. The rolling of the eyes. Yes. That's yes. actually the one of Paul Ekman's yes. uh, facial expressions. Uh, it's actually, you just did it with your with the, the primary one. You didn't even mm-hmm. realize you did it. Okay. The unilateral pull to one side of the face. Usually the left bit of a dimple here. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And it's hard to do that. <laughs> it's hard to do it on purpose. <laughs> you know, it, you have to really work at it to do it on purpose. But when you're mocking, it, when it you're just saying, naturally. It does. And, uh-huh. and sometimes even with these mirror neurons, you know, somebody does wow. it and the other person does it back. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. It's really. Sure. Yeah. I, I love teaching uh, therapists this stuff and yeah. I introduce them to this. I'm talking about uh, the facial expression piece in our level two. And uh, as soon as I start talking about contempt, I look at the room and, and people start doing it. They're not, be- <laughs> they're not necessarily, yeah, they're not necessarily being contemptuous of me, I hope, but uh, I, I think, you know, it's they're just tapping into it. They're just tapping yeah. into, that. into the sure. affect, right? Yep. Yep. And it just exactly. kind of shows up on their faces, which is one of the yes. things that Paul Ekman says, right? It's just great. Right. That makes sense. Um, yeah. And then, so then. And contempt content. is really any way that we tell our partner, I'm superior to you or you're defective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get, uh, one of the examples I like to use is if, let's say, uh, a couple argues about time and uh, she's more punctual than, than her partner. And she says, um, um, why do you always make us late? That's criticism, not right. contempt yet. Okay. But if she were to say something like, you know, I learned how to tell time when I was five. Uh, Wonder if you're ever going to learn. See that there's a qualitative difference yeah. there. That's yes. that, that, that contempt is so much more toxic and caustic. Yeah. Right. It's a superiority effect yes. for yes. sure. Mm-hmm. And it stings a little bit more oh, too. And, well, a lot yeah. more. I should yeah. say. And it is the number one predictor of divorce. Right. Yeah. Uh, how is that? Like, what are the numbers behind that? Do you remember the, I don't remember the specific numbers, but what they did discover is that when contempt was left unchecked in a relationship, that those couples had a 90 plus percent chance of ending up in divorce. Mm-hmm. It is, it's, yeah. it's that toxic. Yeah. It's I think that, it was like 91% if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah. How yeah. often does that show up? Like, is it more often than... You, 
than people would initially think? Yes. Much more often than people would initially think. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. It's, it's really easy to slip into something like that. Um, mm. And, you know, and people, you know, think about comedians, right? Okay. And yeah. Comedians can be very contemptuous people. Yeah. Yeah. It's the satire um, that makes and, it That's funny, right. right. And uh-huh. so wow. trying to be funny and mm-hmm. making fun of your partner at your partner's expense. Mm-hmm. You know? So those kinds of things can really hurt. Uh, it goes from yeah. funny to like almost cynical funny though. And then, uh-huh. then it's just that edge where it stings. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Um, and those comments get in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, people really kind of take those in and take them to heart. Um, and the fourth horseman, the fourth horseman is stonewalling and that's shutting down, uh, giving your partner the silent treatment. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. just refusing to engage. Yeah. Um, that one's really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, it's like the person on the receiving end usually interprets that is as you're not even worth wasting my words on. You just don't care. You don't care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the person who is stonewalling if you were to crawl inside of their skin, you would see so much going on. Yeah. Uh, one yeah. of the things that, that's happening is, is chances are their heart rate has escalated to over 100 beats per minute. Mm-hmm. And, and what happens when their heart rate gets that high? That's a good question. Uh, it throws them into fight or flight response. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a, another kind of official term for that, which I love. It's called diffuse physiological arousal or DPA. Mm-hmm. I like that okay. term because it means everything is aroused all of, all at once, right? Uh, everything inside okay. of your body is just zing. But you could never remember that, especially in the time that that's happening. Uh-huh. So some of the things that are happening in those moments is that that person's Frontal lobes have, you know, so their stress hormones have been released, which has caused their frontal lobes to shut down. And their mm-hmm. frontal lobes are where their logic and their communication skills are. And their empathy and their... Empathy, sense of humor, all of it. Curiosity. Mm-hmm. So the good they, The human side of it. Yes. Yeah. So what happens is that they don't have access to any of that. So mm-hmm. even if they wanted to talk and engage with their partner, chances are they could not. They Mm. like there's a traffic jam in their brain, so they would if they're someone. What you're not going to say anything now? It's like they would probably start like stammering Uh, if they were going to try. Maybe say the same thing over and over again, right? And not feel like they got their point across. So Um, at at this point, it's like counterproductive to push that person to communicate because they're not even in that place. And worse yet, uh, if they don't have the words, then they might start using action, right? Uh. So mm-hmm. verbal words can push somebody away, but if you can't push them away, you know, verbally, then you might want to just push them away physically, right? Mm, so that's when you see DV kind of creep in. And it could. Situational domestic violence could creep in at that point just because okay. someone is just pushed beyond their edge. Yeah. Um, okay. So it is best to just back off. Uh, it's best if someone who is feeling that could give their partner a message. It's not that I don't want to talk to you. It's that I'm unable to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Or, so like yeah. a reassurance. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because the other person usually is wanting them to engage because yeah. they're afraid that their partner has disengaged and is that permanent? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so don't abandon me here. Right. Right. It's a very right. effective strategy. Um, but it causes so much anxiety within the, the and, other person. And I would say the majority of couples who present for therapy uh, have flooding, mm-hmm. uh, which is another shorthand for DPA, yeah. uh, as part of the problem that they're struggling with. That okay. When they get into uh, conflict, uh, they get into that overwhelmed state and they, their heart rate goes up and they become a big green monster, just like in the comic books. <laughs> uh, and uh, they go from a brilliant scientist to, you know, just um, a monstrous brute almost. Um, mm-hmm. the, the thing is, not everybody who uh, floods stonewalls, though. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, when okay. they flood, they, they throw stuff, they scream, they, you know, they, they, they exhibit yeah. the, those, that state in different ways. Mm-hmm. But what we know is that when somebody is going into stonewall mode and in hetero relationships, that's men 85% of the time. Mm-hmm. So it's, yep. it's more common. Uh, Definitely you know, they, they fold their arms, they look away, they break contact and they shut down. That's what stonewalling looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Carrie was saying, they're really getting physiologically flooded or going into DPA or they're, they're on the edge. Okay. They're right on the edge of that and they're trying to avoid it. So they say, yeah. no, anything I say is just going to make it worse. So I'm just going to shut up. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of fighting going into the, into the flooded state by using the stonewalling. Um, but like I say, sometimes people will flood without the, the, um, without uh, stonewalling at all. They'll just do it straight, go straight into contempt. Ah, you are such a. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So on that cherry note. <laughs> <laughs> you asked us the four horsemen. Yes. No, it, so it, cheery. But I mean, that's just, that's reality. Right. We see that so often counseling ourselves. Um, what are the antidotes? Uh, what are, how, how do we get around doing these things? And maybe as, as you share the antidotes, kind of sharing a little bit of the research behind each one. Hey friends, we'll be right back to our interview, but one quick note. If you love what you're listening to, you might also enjoy going through our card decks that we designed to help couples stay connected and in each other's world. So there's Foundations, which is our starter deck, and it's all about boosting your communication skills. And then there's Sexpectations, which is all about spicing up your intimate connection. And then there's Realizations, which is a deck for all couples, but especially dating or engaged couples who want to see how well they really know each other. So grab a deck or two, or three, by heading over to our website, dearyoungmarriedcouple.com slash cards. All right, back to the show. Okay. Um, well, before I launch into any of that, I want to tell you that these antidotes are very simple in theory and very difficult in practice. <laughs> okay. Okay. So yes. just hearing them and understanding them doesn't mean that they're going to be easily applied. Mm-hmm. But we really do need to work on applying them because, like Don was saying, they're deadly. They're the ones that yeah. don't kill us, yeah. uh, right. kill our relationships. So the antidote to criticism is what we call a softened startup. Okay. And a softened startup uh, doesn't have the word you in it. it talks mm-hmm. about 
how I feel about what situation and you focus on the situation rather than who did it and okay. then a recipe for, for success. Here's mm-hmm. how your partner could be successful with you if they wanted to. That sounds mm-hmm. very complicated. So it sounds something like this. Uh, instead of you leave your dishes in the living room all the time, it would be, mm-hmm. I get annoyed when I see dishes in the living room. Mm-hmm. And I would really appreciate it if they could get picked up. Mm. Nice. Okay. Nice. There wasn't a you in there, right? Right. Uh, but so it, it's easy if our partner isn't feeling attacked for them to really hear us. Right. And, you know, maybe they'll get better at picking up their dishes, but at least it gives them an opportunity to let your words and your emotions sink in. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One yeah. one observation um, that I've seen, and maybe you could speak to this, is w- where they do that, but they flood them with like, I see the dishes, and have you seen the bedroom? <laughs> I see lots of clothes, and you never take your you're like. Oh, I went into uh, yes. criticism, but but they give too the many laundry like, list. Yes. yes, this is wrong, and this is wrong, and this is wrong, and that slips into criticism. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. He, yep. because the way the person hears it as you always screw up. Here's how yes. you screwed up, and here's how you did, and here's how you did. Um, so they are they're internalizing that, not as mm. I have a I'm struggling emotionally, and I have a need that I would love for you to help me with, mm-hmm. but. Um, you know, here's the laundry list of everything that you do wrong again. But I said it nicely. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. Yeah. So a softened startup using eye language and focusing on, on one situation and the emotional impact. It could be that the situation that you need to talk about is a little bit different. So focus on that. You may need to have a different conversation later. Okay. Okay. But in the moment, here's what I need. Maybe we need to sit down and talk about, we have a real difference between us around tidiness in the home. I like that. And when would be a good time for us to sit down and have that conversation when we can really hear each other and try to take that information in. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a different conversation. Okay. Yep. So stick to the one thing that's bothering you right now. And Mm -hmm. the more emotional affect that you can tap into that is, you know, not like I get so angry, but, Mm -hmm. you know, why is it that this angers me so much? Mm -hmm. You know, yes, I'm angry about it, but there's really a reason why I am. Yeah. A good one. You know, I get the message that I'm the maid here. You know, I, I get the message that this is all on me and that, that feels so unfair. Mm-hmm. I really yeah. want us to feel like a team here. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's so, good. You know, just to try to focus on, you know, get really real with what's going mm-hmm. on inside. And I want to come oh, back yeah. to that, what you just said about feeling like the maid and so on. But after we finish talking about the four horsemen, because there's a really important piece to uh, about dreams, underlying dreams. I wondered if you were going to go to <laughs> dreams you. behind the conflict. So but let's do, yeah, antidote for defensiveness. Is is to take responsibility, you okay. know? And even if you're being criticized, 
it's possible to do that. It's just harder. Um, you know, um, yes, you're right. I know sometimes I leave things laying around and that drives you crazy. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I get it. I can uh, do better. I, I'll try to, to do better. Something uh, around some acceptance okay. that the, that the, what the partner has brought to you mm-hmm. has validity Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're going to take some responsibility for that. Yeah, I know I drag my feet and make us late. I, I, I know I can do that. Um, so that, that te- that's a de-escalator when we do that. People tend to get calmer. Their bodies calm mm-hmm. down. Their, yeah. their pulse transit time slows down mm-hmm. and so on. They're less likely to continue down the, the, the path toward flooding if they do the, the um taking responsibility piece. So that's the, that is the antidote for um, defensiveness. And that is music to someone's ears to hear yeah. that, right? Like For sure. Oh, oh. you're aware of that? <laughs> you heard that? They're right. actually listening? Yeah. yeah. Um, contempt, the antidote for contempt. We actually talk about that in two different ways. Okay. okay. The first one. Yep. So it would be talking about what you need rather than who the other person is, their character. Mm -hmm. Okay. So instead of you're a big fat liar, it would be saying, I need complete honesty and transparency. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, good. That's what I need. Um, So in that sense, it's really very similar to the the antidote for criticism. Yeah. Soft and startup. And you could do a soft and startup. That would work. Right. But the, the long, more long-term cure for antidote for contempt is to really establish a different way of dealing with the reality of the relationship, a different culture. Okay. Mm. And the culture of fondness and appreciation is the culture that we want. Mm -hmm. Uh, And respect. And respect. A lot of people, it seems, watch their partner to catch them failing to catch them messing up. And that's when they are able to say something. Yeah. Um, but they don't when something feels right or looks good. So they, they their culture is backwards. But what uh, we learned about the, the successful couples is that they have a culture of gratitude, uh, appreciation, respect, uh, fondness and so on. And when something doesn't feel right, they're far less likely to say something. And when they do, it's going to be in a much more gentle way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that the long-term opposite, if you will, or antidote mm-hmm. to contempt is that new culture, uh, yeah. or maybe going back to the culture we used to have that we lost somewhere along the way. That's okay. sometimes the therapeutic goal. Mm-hmm. So I can hear it in my ears. But, but that's what they should do. Why do I need to give them a pat on the back? Because, so that they'll like, do it that's again. That's what should be happening. <laughs> because, because, you, because you want them to do it again. Because exactly. we are mammals and mammals like to have their heads petted. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what we are. Yeah. 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 Well, and along those lines, uh, Carrie, in a recent Time Magazine article, you said that it would be advantageous for couples to focus on small things often. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about how that's also an antidote to criticism or even contempt? 
Uh, yeah, especially, well, when we're, so if we're looking for all of the things that are right, right? Mm-hmm. Thank you for doing this. Um, I noticed that you took out the trash this morning. It was so nice to see that, you know, clean mm-hmm. uh, yeah. trash can there. I uh, really appreciate that. Well, that really helps people feel good about their partners. So it builds on the positivity, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about a positive to negative ratio. In non-conflict areas, we want a positive to negative ratio of 20 to 1. Ooh. Wow. That's a wow. lot of positivity, right? That's that a is. lot of positivity. Get on it. <laughs> yeah. So but every time we do something like that, it is putting uh-huh. a deposit into an emotional bank account. Mm. Okay. And you need a lot of those deposits in emotional bank account because we're not perfect people Mm -hmm. and we screw up. And every time we make these mistakes or there's a conflict or misunderstanding between us, we reach into that emotional piggy bank and we take out five of those deposits and we just kiss them Mm -hmm. goodbye. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're, relationship can go emotionally bankrupt if you're not putting mm-hmm. a lot of those deposits in, right? So oh, those pats yeah. on the head, you know, way to go. Good job. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of from the Avatar movie, I see you. Um, that's <laughs> okay. one of my favorites when she said, I see you. It's I see like, you. yes, yeah. that I want to be seen. We want to be seen, right? Yeah. 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 Not for what we look like, but for who we are, mm-hmm. for our good. kindness, for our generosity, for all of the ways in which we are working to contribute to our partner's health and well-being yeah. and happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and what we look like is not all bad either. <laughs> <laughs> and people like to hear nice stuff about that too, right? Yeah, that's that's sure. true, but, yeah. but I think, you know, the reality is our- There's a lot more. Uh, there's more to us mm-hmm. than the way we look. Yeah. You know, of yeah. course, we want to be appreciated for the way that we look, but mm-hmm. yeah. um, but we also want to be appreciated for who we are and to be yeah. seen for who we are and and what we contribute. Um, mm-hmm. So, so those deposits really do matter. See, mm-hmm. And what we've crossed over into now is, I think, actually even more important in some ways than our talking about things to avoid or to mm-hmm. antidote like the four horsemen or flooding mm-hmm. is to talk about building a positive, we like to call it a friendship system where mm-hmm. people know how to get each other's attention in positive ways to, uh, to be affectionate or respectful and uh, talk about those things uh, mm-hmm. uh, to know enough about each other's world that we can tune into that and uh, um, and have a good image of what's going on uh, mm-hmm. in each other's lives, showing a lot of interest and curiosity about that because mm-hmm. that's what successful couples do. They build that strong friendship, which is yeah. also a very strong predictor of their sexual satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they yeah. have that, they tend to have a much more positive sexual relationship as well um, yeah. that friendship system and when the friendship system is strong the conflict stuff gets managed more easily we repair mm-hmm. more quickly we de-escalate better and, and the so conflict on. still happens oh yeah it still happens because <laughs> 
conflict happens, right? Right. Mm -hmm. We're human. We have two different ideas of the world and that's so helpful. What about when, um, I don't know if we covered it, but when we are escalated, what is the antidote for that? What do we do when we are flooded? Or, or when we are entering uh, stonewalling, which yeah. is the same, yes. it's really the same, the same antidote there, which is time out, time out, mm-hmm. call it time out. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. honored no matter what. And we really try to teach our couples in therapy and in workshops to make a plan for that. When you're flooded is not a time to decide how to deal with flooding. Exactly. Uh, Cause your logic is turned off. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, so to make a plan for it, to have a cue word that makes sense, mm-hmm. uh, to have a plan. Uh, I actually have two flooded playlists on my phone. Literally. Nice. nice. Literally. One and two, depending on whether I want to hear classical music or guitar music. And it's great. And yep. I'll just yep. pop in the earbuds and listen to that stuff for half an hour. And Wait, you still beautiful. argue? Uh, <laughs> never a crossword between us i don't i don't argue but my wife does <laughs> i know you're humans i love that though don about having a plan and, and so that way good. you're prepared and and it's not this like horrible thing that we had to take a time out it's welcomed because you have an effective plan <laughs> and when you come back your your prefrontal cortex will be reactivated you'll be able to connect and have that friendship connection. I'm going to go a little bit further with that. And, and to yeah. say it's not, it's not only is it not a bad thing, it is a, it, it is a loving thing and it's a caring thing mm-hmm. for you to do for your relationship mm-hmm. because yeah. we, we can all get there. We all have mm-hmm. our threshold. And mm-hmm. so it is a way of protecting your relationship and protecting your partner. Um, so, it is, I think, crucial for us to be able to talk about this and mm-hmm. to say, and for each one to know what the other person's plan is for when they are having, needing to take a time out. Mm-hmm. But even if you don't need the time out, if your partner needs the time out, it is protective of your relationship to honor that. Even if you think mm-hmm. you don't really need the time out, um, honor it anyway, Mm -hmm. because your Mm -hmm. partner is saying, I don't feel safe right now. And Mm -hmm. I want my partner to feel safe no matter what. So we honor the time out and it's a minimum of 30 minutes, maybe an Mm -hmm. hour, but then, Mm -hmm. then we check back in with each other. That's part of the protocol, if you will. Part of the plan is how we're going to check in with each other at the end. Yeah. And yep. that actually has been my experience in working with couples is that they, they make a plan, but they don't execute that last step, which is the reconnection. Yeah. And then the timeout just feels like avoidance or stonewalling. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. An abandonment, abandonment and all of the above. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And she's like, or he's like, you're not leaving this time. That's yeah. right. Right. Yeah. The next we time tried it that before work. and it didn't work. So, right. Mm-hmm. So right. yes, the check-in and the check-in may be, I need more time. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. okay. You know, it's like we took 30 minutes and I know that I, I'm, you know, I'm a dweller. So for the first 30 minutes, I'm probably going to dwell, dwell on what I should have said and what I'm going to say for round two. Mm-hmm. Which are bad yeah. things and I know okay. it, but I still do it. That's why I have two okay. playlists. That's why he has two playlists. 
Um, and I'm probably more likely to stone to to get flooded and and stonewall than than he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, even though we said men do it more yes. often than women, that's not true in every relationship. Not in every sure. relationship. Never, never. So, um, you know, so if we need more time, that's okay. Take mm-hmm. take more time, thirty more yep. minutes, an hour, and then if you're okay, I've calmed down. But I might still be a, a little bit emotionally raw and I'm not ready to talk about it yet. Yeah. But you know what? We need to talk about it because mm-hmm. if you don't ever talk about it, those things don't go away. It's like sweeping mm. it under the rug and they just build up. And then the next argument that, that comes up, now there's the old one and the new one mm-hmm. and the one from a week ago and two weeks ago and 20 years ago and they all come <sighs> in and then they're too overwhelming to deal with. Mm-hmm. So we have to clean out the debris, which means we have to talk about it. Yeah. But you have to be in a place emotionally where you can talk about it. Right. So make an appointment with each other about here's when we'll talk about it. I can't talk about it tonight. I will talk about it tomorrow after work. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yep. That makes sense. Very specific. And yes. if it keeps getting explosive, go out to dinner and talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> People yeah. do tend to behave better in public places, right? Which is a challenge right now in Isn't these times, funny? right? That is true. Yeah. Oh, I would love to go out to dinner. Yes. <laughs> so, Don, you mentioned earlier when we kind of segued a bit, um, the dreams behind the conflict and um, wanted to hear a little bit more about that. You said, we'll come back to that. The reason I uh, wanted to come back to it is because what we a lot of times don't realize is the kind of conflicts that happen over and over again, uh, we call them perpetual problems, actually represent what in the lab we saw as 69% of the things that couples talked Mm -hmm. about. Mm-hmm. So the majority of, of, the, of the, the conflicts people have, even in that 20-year study, they had the same couples come in over and over again, and you could see their videos, you know, their glasses would get bigger and smaller, and their hair would change color. <laughs> and their, Weight would go up. Uh, but uh, So but interesting. The, what was the most persistent was the conflicts. There's the same yeah. thing, that messy house conflict. Wow. still be there 20 years later. Mm-hmm. And that's true for both the happy couples and the struggling couples. Okay. So the difference was dialogue. Those perpetual differences where they are successful at dialoguing about the difference results in a much more positive outcome. Okay. But they enter into a state of gridlock. Couples enter into that state when they lose the ability to talk about the difference anymore. And what we find is that there's behind those perpetual differences, especially the ones that gridlock, there's usually something very, very important, a core value, a dream, maybe something from our distant past that is really being energized and driven by this conflict. You know, I grew up, let's say a hypothetical person grew up in poverty. They never knew where the next meal was coming from. And they marry somebody who's a free spender. Mm -hmm. But they need to save. Well, it's not just they need to save. They have a deep dream of having financial security, the thing they never had as a child. And it's a promise they made to themselves a long time ago. 
Mm. And when the partner is being overly liberal, according to them, with spending, um, then it energizes that negativity. And that's where the real bad arguments mm. tend to come from. Mm-hmm. The, the, these gridlocks, they happen over and over and over again. Where when they can really understand and the free spender maybe has a dream around that too. Maybe mm-hmm. she grew up in poverty too, but uh, was always <laughs> maybe she was always bullied because she had raggedy clothes and didn't mm-hmm. have the nice clothes. So yep. now you she's going to synthesize it differently. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But I'm going to have nice clothes, and that's her dream. And yes. so to when be seen with dignity, yeah. Yes. And so when he's saying, "Yeah, but we've got to save money," she says, "Yeah, but I'm not going to do that." And where raggedy clothes so the dreams are in conflict Mm -hmm. they think they're arguing about money but they're not and so while that might be in that unresolvable category um it's what what i'm hearing you say don is it has to do with the way they dialogue about it if they're able to discuss it then they can end up in that quote-unquote happy relationship as opposed to couples who are dissatisfied and in conflict yeah. Yeah. And so the, so the goal is to manage the perpetual differences in a healthy way rather than letting them gridlock. Mm-hmm. And so good. Yeah. that can be, that can be tricky, it, but it can it, be done. Yes. It can be transformative though. When you understand what is, what is underneath this for each person, when you can get down into what that dream is, what is it that you long for here? And there's a story behind it. And it's a very powerful story. And it usually comes from their past. That's, mm-hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that, nothing bad about that. Mm-hmm. But sometimes people, you know, have suffered from, you know, traumas and things of that yeah. sort. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, just think about it. If you were bullied at school because of your clothes, that can create some feelings of trauma within you, right? And yeah. it would just be almost impossible to give that up. But, you know, sometimes dreams have the opposite. Sometimes it's like, you know, my family had dinner every night at six o'clock. We sat around, we talked about our days, we prayed, we laughed, we had a, and so, yes, I want family dinner. I don't want the kids in a thousand soccer teams. So think about what that would be like. It's a sense of belonging. Mm, right? the dream, the this dream is, is who we are. This is how we, mm-hmm. how we belong and how we understand, you know, take care of each other. So the dream doesn't always have its roots in negativity. Right. Sometimes yeah. it's in positivity, but I want this for my life the way I had it is. Sure. And yeah. it really just demands someone to step back, maybe in a quiet moment, maybe turn on some uh, classical playlist or guitar music <laughs> and say, what do I want here? You know, or yes. what, what's the, What's the goal? What's the dream? What, what are the values? Yeah. And and being quiet for a moment. Maybe. I like what you said, Adam. It's about giving yourself permission to be introspective. And to feel what you feel and need what you need, believe what you yeah. believe, and mm-hmm. listen to your partner, mm-hmm. her needs, his beliefs. And, and both needs and dreams are valid. Mm-hmm. One doesn't yeah. take priority over the other. They are both valid. The next step is how do we honor both of those dreams? And most yeah. of the time, couples can find ways to do that. There, yeah. are, there are rare exceptions, but most of the time they can find ways to honor both. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
Thank you guys. So this is like such a wealth of information and experience. Yes. We're, we're so grateful. Um, we always like to ask, and it's great asking you guys this, uh-huh. what resources or books could you recommend for couples that this really hit home for them? Where do they look? Uh, there's a couple of things. Um, we are, the Gottman Institute is currently doing some online virtual ASLs. Um, another couple is doing, I think the first one we're, we're actually doing one in October. We're doing one for the Institute in October. We're also going to do one for our group in Alaska that we didn't go visit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So um, I'm not sure exactly when those will be, but they'll be on the Gottman, uh, the Gottman website. So Gottman.com. And for those who don't know, what's the ASL? The, oh, I'm sorry. The Art and Science of Love Workshop. So it is a couples nice. workshop. So couples do attend this together. Uh, they listen to us tell them uh, why we think it's important and some science behind what we're about to ask them to do. And then mm-hmm. we go ask them to do some exercises on their own to kind of strengthen their relationship. So it's really nice. about strengthening their relationship. But we also do that dreams within conflict within that. Um, so good. Yes. So you walk them through that in yes, that workshop. Yes, we do. And yes. Cool. yes. There's also something else that uh, it, it's uh, a new thing that the Gottman, the Gottman Institute has come out with uh, recently that people can sign up for, and it's 30 days to a better relationship. Okay. So they, they go online. I think there's a small fee for that. And then they are sent, I guess each one of them is sent uh, something to do every day for 30 days to strengthen mm, their relationship. Cool. Yeah, it's really kind of really cool. cool. So, that's uh, fun. Okay. That's really cool. Well, we'll link both of those in the show notes. Any other um, book recommendations yes. that you would give? Well, there's one for couples that could be really kind of fun for them to do, and that's called The Eight Dates, written by John and Julie Gottman. That's okay. one nice. of their newest ones. Okay. Um, of course, John, they're prolific writers. Uh, mm-hmm. One of their most popular books is um, uh, The Seven Principles for Making Marriage Work. And love another that one. one that I really like is What Makes Love Last? Yes. It talks about trust and commitment. Um, so. And my yeah. favorite one is The Mathematics of Marriage. <laughs> but seriously, there is such a book that John wrote with some mathematicians. Oh, that's great. Uh, it's uh, called The Math. He sold 14 copies so far. So uh, <laughs> and I will admit I have not made it through that book. No. Uh, <laughs> I do like the reader friendly version, which is Principia Amoris. Uh, okay. That's a readers. Okay. That's a, that's a, a little bit more user, user-friendly. Reader's Digest yes. version of, what, of that <laughs> That's one. exactly right. Okay. It's not exactly the Reader's Digest no. version, but it's uh, it's more plain English and less mathematics. Okay. There is some mathematical equations in there, and it's like, okay, I got it, I got it, I got it. At oh, one point, I don't it's have like, it oh, I don't have it anymore. But you can still <laughs> read the book and follow through. Okay. Um, so right. great. We'll link both of those for sure. <laughs> Aw. So we uh, close out every podcast um, by asking the same question. Uh, it's our Dear Young Married Couple letter. Mm-hmm. Um, before we do that, for those who are listening, uh, if you're enjoying what you're listening to, take a moment and rate and review the podcast. It helps us reach many, many more couples. So on to our Dear Young Married Couple letter. Um, so rewind back. You guys have been married for a couple decades. How long have you been married? What? Is it 24, 24 this years. year? Mm-hmm. 
Okay. So wow, rewind congrats. back to your first couple years of marriage and think about the advice you wish you would have received and then fill in the blank, dear young married couple. I think I would say discuss your dreams and implement them now. Mm. Work toward them now. Um, the survival, we just got to get through this next six months kind of thing, mm. ends up holding you back long term. I would mm. say strike out and, and, and discuss your dreams and bring them into reality sooner rather than later. Can I add on to your dream? Yeah, you can. <laughs> we want both of you to respond. And, and, and help each other accomplish those dreams. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Shared. Yes. Honor them and Shared. help your partner not give up on the dream. Mm -hmm. That's good. Um, I guess mine would be to... Um, Talk about it even though you're afraid it'll hurt. Mm. Try to be gentle. Um, but part of being gentle, it is not gentle to sweep it under the rug. Uh, that is yeah. not gentle. Mm -hmm. Gentle is speaking your truth from your heart, from your emotions, rather than, you know, trying to justify and be reactive, but speak out instead of holding it in because you're mm -hmm. holding it in hurts both of you. That's good. That's a good one. <laughs> so good. <laughs> it is so good. Oh, well, thank you. It's, it's truly an honor to have you both yes. on here and give your time. And I know that this is going to really make a difference in a lot of couples lives. So thank yes. you guys. So. Thank you. Thank you for doing what you're doing guys mm -hmm. and reaching oh. these couples in, in very important and meaningful ways and sharing information with them that will help them. Oh, thanks guys. Uh, thank you. Well, for those who want to get in touch with Don and Carrie, uh, you can go to their website, which is centerforrelationshipwellness.com. And if you want to contact them, you can always email their scheduler. Um, they specialize in marathon therapy. Love that. And so those who are interested in that can email their scheduler, Christy, K-R-I-S-T-I at Gottman.com. Thanks guys so much. Thank, thank you. you. Take care. Be well. All right, friends. We really hope that you got a ton out of today's conversation. And if you want help, if you want personal guidance with individual counseling or couples counseling, or even help with you as a couple reaching the goals you have, just reach out. Give us a call at 916-678-1797 or shoot us an email at hello at dearyoungmarriedcouple.com. No matter where you are in the world or in your marriage, we can set up a counseling session with you and we can work toward progress. We also post marriage advice regularly on our Instagram, which is at Dear Young Married Couple. And we'd love for you to join us in conversation there. All right. See you next week.